This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. Yeah, give us a call at 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. You can also ask some questions on the uh, Mac and Jack uh, text line at 710-710. Send your text questions and also make your phone calls. And just to give you programming update, it's like uh, 1030. We'll be talking to Dave Grosby, weekly uh, dose of the, the Gros. And then at 11 o'clock, a one-hour uh, Seattle Sports Saturday. Glad to have them back. And so they'll be there. 12 o'clock is going to be the Mariner pregame show. And then at 110, the Mariners take on the Cleveland uh, Indians in what has been a really disappointing road trip. I mean, they lose three out of four to a bad Detroit team. Last night gets shut out 7 nothing. It looked like they could not hit anything. Totally wiped out there. And again, 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Then again, let's go to the... Uh, you know, the, the text line, uh, Mac and Jack's test line from the 425 professor. Who do you think are some of the biggest snubs in the NFL Hall of Fame voting? Did you ever find yourself going up against any anybody else to advocate for a player? Whenever you do mention the Hall of Fame voting process, I mean, it's 12 angry men, but with footballs. No, I mean, it, it get along pretty well. I mean, the problem is we're always playing catch up because, again, you know, you have. Uh, only five spots that you can take a modern-day player. And so because of that, if you have like one, two, or three uh, first-time Hall of Famers that go in, that limits things. I mean, so example, uh, you know, certainly you're hoping that uh, I I still think Elsie Greenwood got snubbed. I mean, Lester Hayes got snubbed. Chris Brand, Cliff Branch got snubbed. I mean, you know, at, but at some point they may they continue to try to resurface in the senior category, and you know, uh, you know, there's a you know you're pushing now to try to see if you can get uh, you know like Tony Baselli in because I think he deserves it. I mean, you know, because we had a big run on offensive linemen, and so what's what happens if you have four or five offensive linemen that qualify and should be good? And of course, you know, you had Steve Hutchinson and Kevin Mawai. They take votes away from each other. So it just takes a little bit of extra time. But, you know, you, you battle and you advocate and you try to do some things. So in the end, it's like a, it's a great process. Love being and been doing it now since 1988. From the 253, what current Seahawks are Hall of Fame bound? Well, I mean, uh, you have to start after you have to wait five years after you get out of the game. Uh, certainly, I think that uh, we have the coaching category now. So I think, you know, Mike Holmgren has a decent chance to be able to make it this year. So that could be great if he can get in. Then uh, you start to wait a couple years to see about, you know, Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas, you know, Marshawn Lynch. They're going to be candidates to possibly go in. So you have to watch for those guys. Uh, they, they have a chance, but, uh, you know, I don't think it might be tight on uh, Cam Chancellor because it's hard for safeties to get in. So that may not work out. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, I think that uh, there's those would be some of the ones. But again, when you start to go back to that, uh, you know, 2003 Super Bowl team or 2013 Super Bowl team, we got some candidates there that have some decent chances to get in. And of the current Seahawks, obviously, Bobby Wagner and uh, Russell Wilson, they're going to have a good chance of getting in once they get out of football. Let's go to Victor in Auburn. Hey, Victor, how are you? Hey, John. Another great show. Oh, thank you. Doing awesome. Um, I got a question. I've been hearing a lot of good things out of uh, Patrick Sertan Patrick mm-hmm. II. They're talking extremely uh, about his size, how big he is. Yeah. 
is he um, large enough to maybe cover someone like Kelsey and then also provide support in the run game? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because, I mean, that's why he was considered to be the best cornerback in this draft. He's long. He's angular. I mean, he's the perfect fit in that regard. And that's why, you know, it's it, it's kind of wild that they took him as opposed uh, as opposed to an offensive lineman because now, you know, they lose Jawan James and, uh, you know, they had to scramble around. But, uh, no, I think that, uh, you know, it, 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 but what's interesting is that uh, I know pro football focus, as I think everybody is basically saying this is the best secondary in football. And the question is going to be, how much can he play? Because you know they spent ten million a year for uh, you know you know getting Ronald Darby nine point five to be able to get Kyle Fuller. You know they have Bryce uh, Callaway who's a good slot cornerback, and so the question is going to be how much is he going to be out there? But you know that you know with Callaway being up next year, Fuller being up next year, there's no question that he and Darby are going to be the starters next year. So, but uh, no, I think he was, I think again, it's a great acquisition because I think he has a chance to be a, a longtime Pro Bowl type cornerback. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. He, uh, he, and then last year, they, they, you know, one game, I think they played with their seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth uh, DB. So I'm sure he'll get yeah. plenty of playing time, at least to get him uh, up to speed. Mm-hmm, no doubt. <laughs> You think if Denver's going to play the, the the big nickel or the uh, nickel most of the time that they're playing, which linebacker is going to stay on the field, the the middle? Mm, I think what uh, I'm trying to remember who they were talking up this week. Uh, Jewel or Johnson? Yeah, yeah, they're talking him up this week. So I think it very well could be him if they go big nickel. But uh, you know, that's you know certainly they they may just go four four cornerbacks if necessary uh, but uh, you know that's the one thing Vic Fangio has a lot of different options right now with how many guys that they have and uh, I, I, did you I don't know if you saw the piece I did yesterday for 104.3 are you amazed that you know they were able to pay 19 and a half million dollars for two cornerbacks uh, you know pay like 4.4 million for two offensive linemen for right tackle to compete and then uh, to replace Jawan James you know pay a running back a two-year deal with 3.8 and uh, and then still they now they're second most as far as cap room at 31 million bucks yeah yeah no no i i know i had never found that next quarterback but uh he did uh did a good job with the cap and keeping the numbers low yeah so they could go out and uh pay and could go out there and pick up his people well, that's the so thing. I, I mean, it's like, what, what's your thoughts on, uh, we all know that Aaron Rodgers wants to go there. What's your thoughts on the fact that <coughs> Kareem Jackson came back and said that, uh, you know, he's talked to uh, the Sean Watson for the last couple months, about the last month or so, and he wants to come to Denver. Yeah, well, I, I heard the Sean Watson talking to all his old teammates saying he wants to go to whatever team yeah. that they're playing on. So it's not just Denver. Uh, yeah. He just wants to go to any team except for the team that he's with. Yeah, that's true. But now, what do you think ownership's going to do? Would they consider Deshaun Watson now that he has 22 lawsuits against him for sexual assault and uh, or sexual behavior? And then, uh, you know, it's like, how how do you think they stand on that? Well, well, that's another uh, question. What is uh, going on with the new ownership? I heard yeah. there's going to be some uh, that uh, the the son uh, Bolin Jr. Mm-hmm. I guess he put out a, a couple tweets that were. Saying, you know, ready for some lawsuits. Where's my one third of uh, or one sixth of two, three billion dollars? Mm-hmm. But uh, but either way, I, I think if if he gets cleared or nothing really comes of it, suspension, I would I wouldn't mind having him out there. I mean, I don't approve of him and his aggressiveness of, with all the masseuses if it, it comes to fruition. But you know, 
in football, if you got talent, you'll, you'll be able to play another day. Yeah, that's true. But again, it's like you, you kind of wonder how do the daughters of Pat Boland feel about that. That could be a problem. Certainly, I think it would, it would have been a problem. You know, obviously nothing was going to happen here in Seattle. But, uh, you know, because I think Jody Allen would have a problem on it. But that's got to be concerning because, you know, you, we can talk about what the league does or doesn't do. But what we won't know is what's going to happen in the case to sometime next year because he's not even being deposed until February 22nd in 2022. No, no. The only the only way I, I, I want him on Denver is if everything was cleared out yeah. and, 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 you know, it was just brought up. Like, I'm not that I'm saying it would be a money thing, but either way, if everything gets settled. But, uh, yeah, also, I heard uh, Locke's not doing that well. Is uh, is he pressing too hard? Is he, is Who, who's that? Locke. Yeah, yeah, I think he is. You think he's just lost the confidence and that he's uh, you think he's going to be a backup or not even? Get a I think he, I, well, I think he can be a backup unless they can get Rodgers uh, early. Uh, you know, because it seems like you can see the three receivers talking now. Again, you know, two of them aren't on the field. You know, because Hamler has a hamstring, and you know, you've got Sutton coming back from the knee injury. But Judy's talking up the leadership that uh, you know he's seeing from Teddy Bridgewater. Noah Fant saying the same thing, and so and Hamler I know said some good things about Bridgewater. So to me, I think it's a done deal that Bridgewater's going to win the job. Yeah, he, he seems to throw a catchable ball. One of the, the quotes I read also or heard was, uh, I don't remember what wide receiver said it, but he goes, oh, yeah, uh, Bridgewater throws a very catchable ball. You know, it, it, he floats it up there. Mm-hmm. And then as opposed to, to Locke, who will throw your arm off or, you know, throw your hands off if you try to catch it. So that's another thing. It just he, I don't see Bridgewater taking enough chances yeah. to, to be a dynamic or even an above-average quarterback. So. Denver's defense will have to play in the top five if they want to make some uh, hay this year. No doubt about it. Hey, Victor, thank you for the phone call. All right, take care, bud. Have a good weekend. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Dave Grosby joining us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Certainly, I think we'll be kicking around a little bit about the college expansion of the playoffs and even want to get your reaction to that. Do you like the idea of going to a 12-team playoff from four? So we can do that. We can also take your text questions at uh, 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's uh, text line and your phone calls at 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Will you create an NFL database and follow the Kraken like you do the NFL? I mean, yeah, I think I will. Now, I'm behind right now on the Mariners because I always had a database for them Now, where I keep track of the roster, you know, their their moves, the minor league system and everything else, you know, keep their win-loss total. I'm a little behind on that because there's been so much stuff in the NFL. So it's it's like, uh, and it's now, as, as, as I think the 206 brings up, it's time that I can retire my Penguin sweater. I don't have one, but uh, I mean, that's the only team in sports that I can root for because until the Kraken start, uh, you know, the Penguins, the one team I can say, yeah, I can root for them because they're going to have to be neutral, neutral on baseball, neutral on football, neutral on basketball. Uh, I guess you can say maybe I can... Uh, take a rooting interest in basketball but again I'm a, I'm a reporter so it's like rooting is something i don't do reporting is what i do and following and doing databases from the 425 hey john the nba said they are putting expansion in the stove but it's not on it's not on the front burner 
That's correct. Okay, but when do you think officially you start talking bids on expansion? Again, I, I don't know when the end of the TV contract is going to be, but you know they're making so much money on the TV contract that owners aren't going to give that up and get two other owners to come in and collect on that. But uh, you know, naturally now what you're talking about is a billion, two billion dollar franchise, and they can get money from that. Uh, right now, the 425 says that they count 10 cities that we may, may be first. So the attitude toward the NBA is warming. But again, I think right now the two leading candidates, if there's going to be expansion, is going to be the uh, you know Las Vegas and then also the uh, the Amer- I mean Seattle. So I think that can work. From the 360, more Russell Wilson drama. I thought we had a dealt with all that last month. What's the recent update on all that? This thing's been done for months. I mean, you know, there's no more drama. I mean, you know, uh, there was no trade that was ever going to happen. He never asked to be traded. People kept on overreacting, bringing up the trade idea, even though the stupid thought is it was going to be $39 million dead money uh, and cap hit if you trade him. Plus, then you don't have a quarterback in return. And so it's like, you know, he wanted some more weapons on offense. He got more weapons on offense. He want, I don't know if he wanted a new coordinator, but he got a coordinator that he likes in a system that he liked. And 30 minutes that he spent on Thursday cleared everything up. Sure, he doesn't like getting hit as much as he can. How, how, you can't blame him for that. I mean, he gets over 40 sacks a year since 2000 and, uh, 20, 2013, so you can understand. It's like, that's got to stop. He's got to get rid of the ball quicker. This offense gives him the ability to get rid of the ball quicker. But again, that is, again, the most overrated story. So the latest is he's been fine. And the big thing that he says is that you know, he wants to maybe finish his career in Seattle. Certainly, he plans on trying to get to the Super Bowl this year. He says he's had great one-on-one communication with Pete Carroll so you can see that they were able to talk through things so this thing has been dead as a a doornail for the longest period of time so uh, no more Russell Wilson drama from the 360 uh, John is it time to trade Kyle Seager for starting pitching no I say no I mean listen this team what is three games under 500 it can't hit I mean, he's batting 206 or whatever it is. And if you trade Mitch Hanniger or Kyle Seager, all you're going to see is more games like you saw last night with the Indians shutting him out and them being hopeless at the plate. I mean, they've got a lot of young hitters that aren't hitting very well. Look how many guys they have batting in the 100s. And so now if you trade Hanniger and you trade Seager, I mean, you, you, unless it's like some ridiculous deal, then, you know, I mean, all you're going to be doing is losing, uh, you know, Five nothing, six nothing games, and is that what you really want to see? I mean, what you'd like to see is this team get close to 500. This team try to, you know, be as competitive as it can, get the young guys to get involved, and then you know start to make some kind of a run next year. So it's like, no, I don't think that uh, they should trade Kyle Seager because again, they don't have any any power to hit other than Seager, Hanneker, a couple other guys. But again. They don't have it. Don't trade Kyle Seager. From the 206, hi, John. Did you find it curious that San Francisco didn't bring Colin Kaepernick back at some point? Well, first off, I don't think he wanted to come back. I think that, you know, they were kind of fed up with him. And, you know, you notice that, uh, I mean, they, they kept him in that extra year because he had a guarantee in his contract and he had an injury guarantee and he was injured. And so I think that the, he had just run his course. And, you know, certainly it didn't help that he, you know, made the stand that he had uh, as far as the kneeling and all that different stuff. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm not surprised they didn't bring him back. I mean, I think it was just time that they needed a different direction and it was it was a different coaching staff and everything else. Okay, so now 
for the 360. How long, and again, you can text us at 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's text line. How long is Russell Wilson's Super Bowl window? I mean, uh, you know, you go, kind of go in three-year cycles right now. I think right now what you're looking at is that he probably has another two years at this with this group. I mean, because, you know, Bobby Wagner's getting older. I mean, you got Carlos Dunlap, who's a little bit older. But, uh, you know, and, you know, you start to wonder when the draft choice is going to come. But I think the window is two, three years. And again, we'll see if they have enough good drafts to build things back up. Because, again, you know, the next run has to be with some younger players that they brought in. Now, this year they only had three draft choices because uh, they made all the moves that they made. But, you know, they need to get Jamal Adams re-signed. He, he's a big piece of the puzzle. They'll see what they do after the season with Quandre Diggs, whose contract is up. They'll see where they are at the cornerback position. Uh, certainly, you know, Dwayne Brown's getting a little bit older, but uh, I think he can still have a couple more years. So they, they've got all those things in, in, in review here. So, again, give us a call at 206-421-ESPN. 866-979-ESPN. Coming up next is going to be our weekly Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. It is time for our weekly Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. David, how are you today? Not too bad, John. How you doing, buddy? Doing well, doing well. So, uh, the big news next week we'll be talking about is the recommendation made by college football to expand from four playoff teams to 12, where they would have uh, the, the top four ranked teams. Uh, they sit out uh, the first week, and then you have uh, the next, you have the eight games that first week, and then try to get through that. What's your thoughts? Is 12 too much, or do you like it? Oh, no, I like it, John. I thought that, I think, as we've been talking about this over the years, I, I think I mentioned to you I wouldn't be surprised if they had jumped all the way to 16 for that matter. There was no point in, in doing it halfway or doing it small fry. There's an unending appetite for football. It includes college football. Uh, they're, they're beginning to, to forget about the, the pretend amateur status of those guys. They're allowing them to make some money off their likenesses and things like that. Now it's getting a little bit more fair. And in that sense, then, then you can't blame them for trying to get the most money they can possibly get out of it. So I imagine we will see that uh, post-haste, and um, it'll be interesting to, to, to see what kind of an impact that has out here. How outdated was the four-game playoffs? Because it, oh, went, John, it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was just to whet your appetite. It was good. It should have been, it should have been uh, in, teams should have been increased years ago. And I think the reason why it didn't happen was, there was so much chaos in and around the NCAA the last three or four years that, that, it, that it did not go front and center. But now that some of that's behind them, uh, they, they can move, move ahead and do what they do best, which is try and make money for themselves. Yeah, my, my big thing was is like if you win a conference, particularly in the uh, top five conferences, uh, the big five, that you should be able to be in a playoff. And then they would have it so that uh, the second place team, maybe in the SEC or the, uh, you, know, uh, you know, whatever other conference, second place team could make it in at the expense of a team that won a conference. Yeah, ridiculous. Uh, and you're exactly right. If you're going to say you got a power five group of conferences, they all by, by definition have to be represented. And it's only because the Pac-12 had such feckless uh, leadership that they didn't make a bigger deal out of it. And and that's why you saw what what just Washington a couple of years yep. back you know the only team in the last couple of years to to make it to that format and and the Pac-12 getting shut out year after year after year after year while Larry Scott and, and those guys didn't say a thing about it so 
No, it's uh, it's definitely overdue, and uh, it'll be greeted with open arms by football fans. There's yeah. no question about that. No, I think that's great. I think it's, it's going to raise like about $2 billion of revenue from what I gather. Yeah, yeah I don't think anyone minds that either. Do you? No, I think that you know, it's going to be much needed. And so it's like now it's a matter that, uh, you know, how you do it. Now, I know we I, I always argue this with uh, the Irish Mankey. Uh, mm-hmm. And particularly now, if you're going to have you know this type of a format, don't you think that Notre Dame needs to get into a conference? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, the, the question is: is is Notre Dame still extra special? Mm-hmm. Do they still stand alone? And and I, I can see the argument. Uh, this is typical me. I can see the argument both sides. Uh, I can see Notre Dame wanting to believe that they are. But uh, they aren't necessarily that way. They're in a conference in basketball already and, and have been for a while. So, yeah, I would, I, would, I would agree with you, John. I would think that probably time for Notre Dame to, to say, all right, we're ready to make the best deal we can possibly make for, for any conference we want to be in that would include the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah, because I, I would have to think that, uh, you know, it's like if you're going to be independent, like, for example, I think that, uh, you know, BYU should somehow be in the Pac-12. And don't you think it's inevitable that you're going to see some mergers uh, among the big five, cutting that number sure, down? Sure, yeah. sure. I, I think uh, we, we saw that the last time around, the last time the playoffs came into being, and we saw super conferences form and, and you know, kind of uh, mix up and then, then unform. And, and, yes, I think that it would not surprise me to see more teams in particular in the Pac-12 more teams in the in the in the Big Ten, which they still call it the Big Ten, uh, as well. That's a likely landing spot for, for Notre Dame, and and uh, some maneuvering around with other teams. As you know, everyone's playing football now, and everyone's going to want to have their best shot at being in that format. And it'll depend on how they lay out that format, of course, as to you know what what kind of movement we'll have with the, with the teams in college football. See, my thinking is, and I know Irish Mankey loves the independence, and he loves the fact that you know they have. <coughs> you know, their own network and NBC. But to me, my thinking is, I mean, you know, if Notre Dame is going to be in a conference, they're going to be on every week. I mean, you're not going to kick them off because they, they do get good ratings and all that stuff. But to me, it's more of a money thing than a football thing. You know, it's like, an, the key, you, you, does it make for better football for them to be outside of a conference? I mean, you know, last year, you know, they aligned up because of the pandemic in the ACC. They won the ACC. I'm sure they're on TV enough. It's like, uh, you know, and so they, sure, they like the money and all that stuff, but uh, what, what about the competitive parts? I mean, it's hurt basketball. I'm sure it hurts the other sports not to be in a conference. And it's like they seem to not care. I think the other sports are in a conference, and, and I, I think that look, John, you, you just you, you stumbled on what the thing is. I mean, if you're gonna, have, if I'm Notre Dame, I'm gonna say, show me how I'm gonna make as much money as I'm making now with my own conference, and I'm all in. That's what they that's what they can do to try and create uh, you know a, a situation where they're they're holding up other conferences. I can see it competitively making sense, but but you got to convince Notre Dame that financially it's gonna make sense, and let's not pretend that there's anything more important than financially. We yeah. know that there isn't. Well, the one thing that we got resolved this week, it appears, is that the Russell Wilson story is officially behind us. You know, Russell showed up on Monday with Bobby Wagner and a whole bunch of the veterans to at least be part of the last week of OTAs. He talked for 30 minutes on Thursday, said, you know, how much he loves the city, how much he loves the team. He wants to win. He's still on the team. He didn't ask to be traded. Sure, he doesn't like, you know, getting hit as much as he can. I can understand that. But 
Uh, he's got said he had a good one-on-one talks to the offseason with Pete Carroll. So do you think this story can finally be behind us? Oh, of course not, John. The story oh. is never ending. It's, it's not going to be about trading and things like that now, but Russell Wilson has a new dynamic with the fans of Seattle, period. That was, that was not something that he was going to be able to fix or change with any press conference. There was not something magic, magic words he was going to be able to say to make things go back to the way they were before <laughs> the end of last season. So, you know, I, I think, you know, in terms of the story part of it, being traded, things like that, that, that may, may have gone away for the time being. But um, for, for look, the first time Russell Wilson struggles, he's going to hear it from fans. People are not going to be as accepting of, of, uh, of his comments as they have been because he went the other way on people uh, at the end of last year. So, no, I, I don't think I don't think I think that the relationship between uh, Russell and, and some fans in Seattle has changed permanently. And um, we'll see if that makes a difference or not. But I, I think it's he's got a lot less a uh, lot less rope with a lot more people. Yeah, that's true. But uh, but, uh, even, but in terms of the trade stuff, that, that's uh, over for a while. Yeah, that's thank you. That's heavens. what you're talking about, right? Agreed. <clears throat> because you know, one, you don't want to trade that big cap number, and two, who are you going to have as your quarterback? <clears throat> right. I mean, it never it never made any sense for him to, to be traded anyway. Which is again why I would think for some people those comments were disturbing. What, what's he saying that for? If 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 the, it can't be traded and he's going to be playing here anyway, and mm-hmm. what did he hope to accomplish by doing it? And and um, so that that that's going to remain a question in some people's heads, no question about it. But you know, he'll be back. And and uh, look, it's all about um, you know once you once you lace them up, guys guys play hard. So you don't ever have to worry about that, I don't think. But um, the relationship, uh, I, I believe, between a lot of the fans and Russell Wilson is different now. Yeah, that's true. I mean, <clears throat> I, I love the fact that uh, they're talking in uh, Green Bay about. Uh, <clears throat> How you right. know, they, they split the fan Speaking base. Speaking of relationships that have changed. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Rodgers' trade demands and his desire to get out of there and not go back has split the fans. And then today, yesterday, Mark Murphy uh, came out, I guess, in his column and says, yeah, it's kind of like Ted Thompson used to say about Aaron Rodgers. <coughs> He's a complicated guy. Yeah. It's like, whatever uh, they, that means. Yeah, well, I mean, it means trouble for the Packers, and and um, that that's one that has not gone away because Aaron Rodgers is going to stick with uh, mm-hmm. the gist of what he said, and, <clears throat> and that's a fascinating one for us all to watch and, and see if he'll if he'll legitimately hold out, which is something that uh, I, I would imagine is very possible, wouldn't you think, John? I think he is, because I, <clears throat> I, I think that he's stubborn enough that he's going to hold to this, <clears throat> and then. You know they're they're not going to have a winning season, and they better get some value for him if he's not going to be there. So you know it may take until October, but I think you know they'll get that trade probably to Denver. Yeah, that's uh that, that's a rough that's a rough situation yeah. to be in there, and and that's one that you don't want to mm-hmm. be in, and it's one where it's very hard. Uh, though I, I'll never I'll it never ceases to amaze me, John, how much how often people side with the billionaire club owners, and I know Green Bay doesn't technically have a billionaire club owner. But the billionaire owners over the millionaire players, uh, yeah. and um, you know there are plenty of fans in Green Bay, like you said, who are feeling exactly that way. And then on the final front, I mean, the Mariners are having a horrible yeah. road trip. I mean, losing Oof. three out of four to a bad Detroit team, not hitting hardly anything last night, and a seven nothing loss to Cleveland. What's going on? Uh, well, it's been going on all year, and it's going on uh, all, all throughout baseball, and. And the Mariners, you know, it's now getting to a point where, and we haven't talked since Kelnick was sent back yeah. down, which was 
which was necessary and but but still I mean a disastrous circumstance you know that they have, they have yet to, to bring up let's let's face it here with the exception of Kyle Lewis and he's a mm-hmm. big exception I understand that they have not really brought up any young hitters who have hit well that goes before this organization it goes along for a, for a while so you know that, that that's going to be the issue with Kelnick right now it's the issue with some of their other guys that they have guys who can hit Trammell, can hit in AAA, but have not shown it yet in the majors, and and it, it's difficult for them to, to get past that. And you know, Dunn had a rough outing last night, but he hadn't pitched in a long time. At least their pitching has been okay, but you know, they, they don't need to tell anyone anymore that they're not they're not ready for prime time yet. All you got to do is look, look at what you're seeing on the field. They're they're not quite there yet, and and uh, the offensive struggles look look to me like they're here to stay for the rest of the year for this team. Yeah, which of course gets me to take the position probably. I'm in the minority, but it's like, uh, oh, yeah, should they trade Kyle Seeger for value and trade uh, Mitch Hanniger? And I say no, <clears throat> because I think it's more important that, uh, you know, if they can find a way to at least, you know, be uh, have, you know, take two of their best hitters and keep them on the roster just so they can, you know, not have to go through a game every night like last night. I, I think right now, no trade. Where do you stand? Uh, I'm I'm a little different. I, I would I would be willing to trade Seager, but I'm a hard no on Hanniger. Uh, hard no. I mean he's uh, he's still he's having a I mean this guy's having a home, a forty home run season right yeah. now on pace for that. Uh, he's playing spectacularly, so you're not getting rid of him. You need to keep some good players around, but I could see making a move with Seager, but uh, not with Hanniger. He stays. Yeah, interesting. And of course, the game is going to be at one uh, ten today against Cleveland. And of course, pregame starts at twelve. What's on the grass schedule today? Little baseball. Little uh, you know, uh, we're getting down to the semifinals now in the National Hockey League playoffs. So, paying attention to that with an eye on on who the Kraken might be getting next year. That should be good. And that's our weekly dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. Dave, have yourself a good week and a good weekend. John, looking forward to talking to you next week. Okay, sounds good. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. And our thanks to Matt Nelson for running the show. Our thanks to Matt Nelson for producing the show. (coughs) Give us a call at 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Sports Saturday, Seattle Sports Saturday coming up next. And, uh, Matt, what do we have on the line right now? Oh, let's go to Corey in Puyallup. Hey, Corey. How are you guys doing? Good. Um, I got a couple questions. What's, I haven't heard much about Deshaun Watson. Um, what's the deal going on with that? I personally don't think he's ever going to play another snap in the NFL after what he's done. But, I mean, I guess you got to let the whole legal process play out. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. It's going to be so slow in the legal process because he's not going to be deposed until February 22nd of next year. So nothing's going to change. Is um, the Texans going to let him play through it, or are they just going to, like, sit him and say, hey, once your legal process plays? Yeah, I think they'll let him sit because, I mean, he doesn't want to be there. That's that's the big thing. Well, I don't think they want him there either, really. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of getting the feeling of that, too. I mean, you know, they brought in other quarterbacks. I don't think any team really wants him there after Mm -hmm. what's going on. No, I think it's going to be hard because that's the thing. Now, he's come out with uh, Kareem Jackson, his former teammate in Houston, who's now in Denver, said he wants to go to the Denver Broncos. And I'm sure he's probably got other teammates that he's been with that says, I want to go here, I want to go there. But, uh, you know, in the end, nothing's changed. I mean, he obviously was not going to attend any of the OTAs, the minicamp 
course, was canceled for next week, so he doesn't have to pay the $93,000 fine for not attending that. So in the end, it's like, uh, okay, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to change. We don't know what the league's going to do. Still a possibility yeah. he could get suspended, but uh, it's and you figure there's a likelihood and, he's going to um, get suspended. One quick last question. What do you think the odds are on the Aaron Rodgers-Russell Wilson 2.0 saga here? I think it's the same exact thing, to be honest. Oh, it's not. It's like uh, I think it is. I I think I think Aaron will be there after OTAs. They'll get a deal done, and he'll get his ninety three thousand dollars. And Packers will act like nothing happened. Nah, I di- I disagree. I think. I mean, and it's funny because now the comments coming from. Uh, the management from the Packers now makes it sound like, uh, you know, somebody just put out on Twitter, it says it starts to make you sound like he's trying to get the fan base to totally turn on Aaron and put all the blame on him, which, of course, would lead to that. But if you're Aaron Rodgers, how can you trust the front office that uh, has brought in the first pick in the drafts that they've had, uh, defensive players, you didn't get enough on offense, he goes to two uh, NFL championship games in the NFC, and he loses both because yeah, he the didn't. Thing. Like, I don't, that's the thing. People hate Aaron Rodgers. I don't get it. I mean, I'd be yeah. just as mad if I was him. I mean, I don't understand why everyone doesn't like Aaron Rodgers. What has he done, really, that... All he does is win. Yeah. I mean, the comment that Mark Murphy made yesterday that he says, well, he's a complicated guy. It's like, oh, he says, because quoting what uh, even Ted Thompson used to say about him, you know, starting I mean, you to say, figure probably half the more than 80, 90 percent of the people on Earth are complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a simple planet out here. And if it was, um, a lot of things would be very easy. And then I'm sure a lot more people would be successful if the world exactly. was very simple. Hey, thank you for the phone call. Uh, have a great day, JC. ESPN-206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Paul in Richmond Beach. Hello, Mr. Clayton. Yes. Yes, yes Paul. Um, you know, I've spoken a lot about the Seahawks, and uh, I have to uh, confess I have been a long-time um, Detroit Lions fan, um, uh-huh. and that's just just awful. I, I mean, can you tell me anything good? Or is no, I cannot tell you anything good. In fact, I mean, to me, it's like they're purposely sacrificing this year because they got really? rid of more talent than they than they won than than they earned. They uh, yeah, you know, totally wiped out the receiving core. I mean, uh, you know, really? they, they take a lesser position with the quarterback with you know t- certainly uh, you know less with the trading away Matthew Stafford. I I, I just shake my mm-hmm. head. And again, I, I don't know how yep. good Dan Campbell is going to be as a head coach. He's never done it except when he was an interim coach down in Miami. And you know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, what do they really have? And I'm still concerned that uh, they're going to let more players go because I'm wondering if they're going to get rid of Trey Flowers. You know, uh, they're hey. ch- changing oh, for three, no. four. Yeah, it's like, what are they doing? Well, um, now this, this Jared Goff is definitely, uh, I would consider that a, a step down. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, Goff, everybody says how bad he is. I do remember him beating the Hawks pretty soundly a couple times recently. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, do you think he's really bad or just mediocre? Or what do you think of Jared Goff? I think he's average. You know, I think, you know, yeah, the, yeah. yeah, average is probably, probably what he is. I mean, if you put him in the, in the mix, he probably is like about uh, 16 to 18 as far as the quarterbacks in this league. I mean, but uh, oh, okay. maybe yeah. a little less than that. But uh, yeah, not you know he. Yeah, the big thing is uh, you can you can get to him to a point where he'll start making more mistakes than positive plays. Sure. Oh man, no, I, I did see that. I did see him. Like, he doesn't like to get hit. He doesn't like to rush. Sure. Yeah. And he's gonna probably. I imagine the offensive line is not great at Detroit. Probably not. 
you think? Or? Uh, it's it's okay. I think that uh, you know they've yeah. added enough to it that it's an okay offensive line. It's not great, but you know it's not a top ten offensive line in my opinion. Sure. Well, I mean it's funny because that team has had so many you know great players. I think of Barry Sanders mm-hmm. and Alex Harris. You know, I I remember watching David Craig play almost a perfect playoff game for them against somebody. I mean he hit like seventeen out of nineteen passes, and I'm thinking Dave. Yeah. Wow, why don't you ever do that for us? I mean, he, he was on fire, and they won the game, but, you know, they didn't go anywhere. I, they've never been to the NFC Championship, or have they, ever? Uh, ever? Well, you you know, you, you'll appreciate this. It's like, uh, you know, what, what what the curse of the Lions story, because, you know, when they, you know, fifth, when they made that trade back in the, uh, when they traded Bobby Lane, and Bobby Lane came yeah. back, remember that story? I don't know. Yeah. Ahead. So what happened is that uh, you know they go to the playoffs the previous year. I think they were in a championship game, and then uh, they come oh. back and they wanted to go with a younger quarterback, and so they traded Bobby uh-huh. Lane, Pittsburgh. Okay, and uh, uh-huh. he, then he, so what he said is, it's okay, uh, it's the curse of Bobby Lane. You're not going to go to the playoffs uh. for the next 50 years, and. You know, because this trade happened in the '60s, and he was 100% right. I mean, you're not going to go to the wow. Super, you're not going to go to a championship game in the next 50 years. And you know, here they, they in 2009, they get the first pick in the draft. They take Matthew Stafford. Stafford was good enough yeah. to get them into four playoffs, but they didn't win a playoff game because there wasn't enough talent around Matthew Stafford. Nope. No, there sure hasn't been. Do you remember? I do ever read a book called Paper Wyan. I forget the author. You know what I'm referring to? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. There's a guy. You have read that? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, well, that made me like the team because any team that would, you know, give a chance to whoever that guy was, I thought was pretty cool. And mm-hmm. then that was a great story, by the right. way. And a great video documentary. I loved when Alex Karras used to just terrorize him. And then he batted the one pass and so he just put it right back into space. I thought that was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they're just, they're like the Mariners of the NFL, I think. I mean, they're just awful. Yeah, and again, it's like, uh, and you have to put a lot of the blame on ownership because uh, they just yep. haven't been able to get it right. And what they'll do is they'll stay with the coach a year or two too long. They'll stay with the front office <laughs> a year or two too long. And, you know, yep. it's like, it's it's brutal. And they've had that for so many years. Hey, thank you for the phone call. Thank you, sir. All right, and so coming up next, we're pleased to have Seattle Sports Saturday back. Again, it's going to be a short show because of the Mariner pregame at 12, but coming up next, Seattle Sports Saturday. Thank you, everybody. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.